the America's National Parks podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, dedicated to helping you experience all the benefits of time outside and stay more comfortable while you're out there. From soft and breathable activewear designed to do it all, to just right layers perfect for changing weather, to sun smart clothing that blocks the sun's harmful rays, every L.L. Bean product is made with comfortable time outside in mind. Visit LLBean.com to shop now. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. As the days grow longer and tree buds begin to burst, billions of birds migrate throughout North America. They fly in search of better food and places to breed and raise their young. Shifting day length, cooler temperatures, and changes in food supply all impact when birds migrate. Many birds also have a genetic predisposition to migration, meaning it's something they don't need to be taught by their parents. Centuries ago, people who kept cage birds noticed that those who were supposed to migrate became restless each spring and fall. The birds would flutter against one side of their cage, almost like they were being drawn to another place in the world. Migrating birds often travel thousands of miles every year. Newborn chicks can navigate on their own to southern winter homes, even if they've never seen it or been there before. We don't completely understand how birds are able to navigate so effectively, but we do know that birds can use the sun, the stars, and the Earth's magnetic field like a compass. The position of the setting sun and landmarks they fly past during the day can also help them as they travel. Many of the most diverse locations for bird watching are in our very own national parks, though some are closer to urban areas than you may think. Indiana Dunes National Park consists of 15 miles of protected dunes, wetlands, forests, and prairies, and hosts at least 350 species of birds. Thousands pass through this park in the spring and fall, taking a quick break before continuing on to their breeding or wintering territories. Near the heart of Baltimore, Maryland, you can spot over 250 species as you look out across Chesapeake Bay at Fort McHenry National Monument and Historic Shrine. This park is an urban oasis for migrants coming up the Atlantic coast, as is the National Mall in Washington, D.C., which has at least 260 species recorded. The National Park Unit with the highest recorded number of North American birds can be found on the Pacific Coast, not far from San Francisco. Point Reyes National Seashore has recorded more than 450 species of birds, including 38 that are threatened or endangered. There are multiple factors that make it such a popular and birdy destination. For one, it has many unique habitats that provide food and shelter, such as coastline, forest, wetland, and open fields. The park's peninsula also juts out into the ocean, scooping migrants into the park as they travel along the coast. Due to these special features, the National Audubon Society has also named it an important bird area. I'm Jason Epperson, and this week on America's National Parks, celebrating spring migration at Point Reyes National Seashore. Of course, some birds are more easily found than others. One of the more uncommon birds to spot in Point Reyes is the snowy plover. These tiny shorebirds have a short black beak, gray feathers, and snowy white underparts, earning them their illustrative name. 
During the breeding season, males will develop dark black patches and a distinctive black neck collar. Most at home on sandy beaches, snowy plovers are unique because they often breed two or even three times per year, depending on the length of the warm season. As soon as the chicks hatch, the mother plover will leave the nest to find another mate. But the tiny chicks left behind are far from helpless. Young snowy plovers are able to leave the nest within three hours of hatching. If people or predators approach nearby, a parent will signal to the young plovers, who will flatten against the ground. The chicks are able to walk, swim, and forage, mostly unassisted, from their parents. With more, here's Abigail. In Point Reyes, snowy plovers nest on sandy beaches in areas without many plants. They lay their eggs in depressions out in the open sand, making them vulnerable to predators or to trampling. In 2012, scientists estimated that there were fewer than 3,000 snowy plovers along the entire Pacific coast and populations were declining. They're federally threatened in the United States, but National Park Service scientists have been monitoring snowy plovers at Point Reyes since 1986. The Park Service has a few strategies to help manage the plover population and help them breed successfully, including creating exclosures around vulnerable nests, closing nesting habitat seasonally to visitors, and restoring habitat along the shore. The circular exclosures are designed to allow the nesting plovers in and out of the fenced area, but prevent predators from making it inside to prey on the eggs. The park also uses educational signs and brochures to teach visitors about the vulnerable snowy plover nesting sites and which areas of the beach are closed throughout the year. On busy weekends, park employees and volunteers are present on beaches and at trailheads to educate visitors. Since the program began in 2001, research has shown that fewer chicks are lost on weekends and holidays. This education is critical to their survival as they are easily disturbed by people recreating on the beach. Habitat restoration efforts at the Abbott's Lagoon Coast Dunes also began in 2001. 50 acres of non-native plants were removed in the first four years, and by 2011, 250 acres of natural dune habitat had been set aside for the breeding birds. Snowy plovers have been nesting in these restored habitats since 2004, and that season was the first time they had used the dunes in decades. By removing the non-native plants, these habitats now have more native food sources and are open enough to see approaching predators. Some male plovers have been spotted, moving their chicks to this area from more than a mile and a half away. Snowy plovers have nested along California's coast for thousands of years, but with increased human development and habitat use, their nesting locations have been cut in half. They act as an indicator of the health of the sandy beaches and coastal ecosystem. If you want to help the snowy plovers in Point Reyes, you can volunteer your time as a snowy plover docent, observe the park's closure areas to protect nests, and refrain from approaching birds or nests. Binoculars are a great way to enjoy watching plovers from a distance without causing the birds undue stress. While it can be difficult to resist getting a better peek at these adorable fluffy chicks, it's important to keep your distance. These efforts by visitors and the Park Service are paying off. In January 2021, park staff counted 255 individual snowy plovers on park beaches, 
more than any other winter survey in the past. As a birding hotspot, Point Reyes National Seashore is a biologist's dream. Scientists have been monitoring birds and the local environment at the Palomaran Field Station since 1966. In the last 50 years, the habitat surrounding the field station has changed drastically, which also causes the bird communities in the area to shift. If we track the changes in habitat and bird communities, we can learn more about what certain birds need to survive. Before the field station was built, the land around it had more buildings and was cultivated for agriculture. The vegetation has transformed since the area was included in Point Reyes National Seashore in 1965. There are more shrubs and trees, and people are recording these changes as they happen over the course of decades. The bird communities have also changed over the years to fit this new ecosystem. Birds like the white-crowned sparrows, which thrive in open coastal shrub, have shifted out of the area and more forest species have moved in. As we learn what birds need to thrive in their environments, we can better understand how to create resilient communities for them to live in. New technology is making it easier to learn where birds go when they leave Point Reyes. The first major developments in migratory research were colored bands that fit around a bird's leg. The bird was then released and hopefully recaptured at another banding station far away, where researchers could identify the individual bird using the combination of colored bands. As you can imagine, it's challenging to depend on that same bird being caught at another banding station. While bird banding is still practiced today, there are more exciting ways to learn where birds travel. Researchers fit tiny backpacks called geolocators onto birds that will collect data as they migrate. These backpacks record light intensity, which can be used to determine the bird's location each day. Modern technology also allows us to know more about migration as it is happening in real time. The Cornell Lab runs a project called BirdCast that is working to forecast when, where, and how birds will migrate on a weekly basis in the spring and fall. This information is critical for conservationists working to protect birds along their entire migration route. In our episode on community service, we mentioned the app eBird that helps birders across the world submit sightings so we can learn more about birds everywhere. This year, more than 50,000 people participated in Global Big Day, an annual 24-hour marathon to count as many species as possible in far-flung destinations and backyards everywhere. More than 7,000 birds were recorded worldwide. With long-term data at Point Reyes, researchers can see which birds are declining rapidly and hopefully figure out how to help them. Overall, birds have been declining at Palomarin Field Station, which is not unlike what the rest of the continent is experiencing. Today, North America has an estimated 3 billion fewer birds than it did in 1970. Imagine how dangerous a round-trip journey can be when you're flying thousands of miles in each direction. Birds are threatened by the physical stress of the flight, lack of food supplies, bad weather, and exposure to predators as they fly to their destination. Declines in our bird populations are likely due to habitat loss in migration routes, impacts of climate change, and human-related mortalities in migration. Many species are attracted to the lights of tall buildings, and millions of birds are killed each year in collisions with residential homes and skyscrapers. 
turning your lights off at night during migration season is one way you can protect traveling birds. Birds also may fly into windows that reflect nearby vegetation, so putting up window decals and stickers is another great step. One of the largest threats to birds is not human-related at all, but cats that get to roam outdoors. While some people argue that wind turbines pose a major threat to birds, outdoor cats kill 10,000 times as many birds as turbines. It's a minimum of 1.4 billion birds every year and as many as 3 billion. Keeping your cat inside is one of the most powerful conservation actions you can take to protect our migrating birds. Today, there is more research telling us that our parks and preserves may not be enough to sustainably support ecosystems, birds, and other wildlife in the long term. Planting native plants and pollinator-friendly wildflowers in your backyard can help provide important food and habitat for migrating birds, and even a small patch of flowers can make a big difference for conservation. Replacing some of your manicured lawn with a diversity of native plants, shrubs, and trees is another way to increase habitat. In the United States, more than 45 million acres of land is covered with lawns. That's more than 600 times the size of Point Reyes National Seashore. Many native plants and trees host more insects than ornamental ones, which means more food to sustain birds on their long journey north. If you don't have a yard, you can connect with a local school, church, or community garden to plant native wildflowers, or you could get involved with a local conservation organization to collect and plant seeds at a nature preserve. Whatever actions you choose, know that we all have the power to influence the future of our birds. And because so many birds migrate across the country and continent, we're all connected by them. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, narrated by Abigail Trebu, and written by Lindsay Taylor, whose blog, The Curiosity Chronicles, can be found on the webpage for this episode. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. For more great American destinations, give us a listen at the Sea America podcast. And if you're interested in RV travel, find us at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys all over social media as our wandering family. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag Be an Outsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks.